Welcome to the Million Pound Biller Coffee Break Podcast. These are short podcasts for you to listen to at a coffee break. Developed to give you some quick ideas on how to help you build your desk and business. Now, over to Adrian Mansfield, the Million Pound Biller for today's Coffee Break Podcast. Welcome to the Million Pound Biller Podcast. I'm Adrian Mansfield, and in my 20 plus years in recruitment, I've had a number of million pound years. I've worked in most of the major recruitment markets and in all sales roles within a recruitment agency. I've also run my own company and set up companies both in the UK and in several international locations. Recruitment has given me the opportunity to travel the world and see some of the best and worst places on offer, from Australia to Afghanistan and many more in between. The Million Pound Biller podcast offers those at any level in recruitment tips and ideas from me and my contacts, both inside and outside recruitment, but all from the coalface. Information and ideas that can be taken back to your day-to-day careers and put you on the path to a million pound year. The cornerstone of my success over the years has been my willingness to learn and develop my skills, something I still do every day. Now I'm offering you some of my ideas and thoughts that will allow you to squeeze the most out of your recruitment career, no matter what level you're at and where you're aiming for. Every journey, even one to a million pounds, starts with a single step. So let's take that first step together. Welcome to this week's Coffee Break podcast. This week in the UK, the sun has finally come out, and we've had a long weekend to make use of it. I really enjoy those long bank holiday weekends, as it gives me extended time with my daughter, and thus reminds me why I do what I do. It's also a good time to refresh and take a mini recharge of the batteries, with a couple of days switched off from work, or at least as switched off as I get working over a range of countries with different holidays and weekends in place. It was also, interestingly, Memorial Day in the United States. And as a person who's seen the sacrifices made by the military of all countries during my work in Afghanistan, I simply love the fact that the Americans place such a value on their current and former military that they have a national holiday in celebration of them. Perhaps it's something we could do here in the UK, not just for the military, but perhaps for wider services, including the NHS. I'm sure it'd be a great way to celebrate the work they do and have done. Anyway, enough of my soapbox and moving on to topic one for this week. What rate should I charge? I've had a few chats this week on pricing and the best way to price a recruitment solution. There's always pressure to drive down the rates we offer to clients. I spoke in a previous interview with Dave Lewis about the value we as recruiters place on our services, and I feel the rate conversation often links to this value or lack of it. I believe we as recruitment consultants vastly underrate and undersell the work we do for our clients, and this leads us to agree to lower and lower rates to get work from them. The easiest method to win work is to take a low rate and or chase clients for any role at all they'll give you. However, I'd argue if that's the best method to long-term build relationships and build a business or a desk. I'm a big believer in the ROI factor when you look to price work. I'm not averse to reducing rates per se, but in my view, that needs to come with other benefits to you and your business, such as a larger set of roles or exclusivity or a number of other factors. There are many that would argue with me that you shouldn't drop your rates in these cases as well. And I do take on board those comments and sometimes do work with them. The start with this should always be what income are you looking to deliver? Once you know what you want to bring in, you can then work out how many placements that would be. If you look at the value of your current placements, then what would it mean if you reduce those fees? How many more sales do you have to make to achieve your target? Conversely, if you increase the level of your fee, how does that affect the level of sales you need to make? Or indeed, how does that increase your income if you make the same amount of sales as you were doing before? Now, this sounds quite simplistic, and I would accept that, but this is just the first part of the process. Once you see what the benefit is of the higher fees and increased secure higher roll numbers, then you can start to work out how you find those clients to work with. This is where the hard work comes in. 
It starts with one of my key points in previous podcasts, a focus or a niche. Picking and focusing on an area that has enough size and yet is small enough that you can deliver across it. We've tackled this before, but to highlight some of it here, once you have your niche set, then you need to understand what the hurts are in that sector or area. You need to build your network of candidates and clients in the niche and position yourself as an expert in that space. The key with this is to position yourself higher in the value chain. Remember, you're not looking for all their roles, just the ones in your niche. And given your specialism and focus, you can fix them for higher margins. However, here comes the hardest part. You need to be unafraid to walk away if they won't meet your level of fees. This is the part most consultants shy away from and thus undo all their previous good work. When you work out your fees, it's based on your level of focus and experience. Then you need to value that. And if the client doesn't value it, then they aren't a client for you. As I said at the outset, the goal is that target number. And there will be roles out there that you can get that helps you get that rate. Would it be a shame to be tied up on a lesser role and thus miss out on those higher value contracts? The race to the bottom in terms of fees is a race that nobody wins. Not the client, not candidates, and especially not you. So just don't enter the race. Stay your own course. Remember the number of deals you do doesn't matter, just the income you get from it. So focus on quality and it will bring a longer term returns, not just higher fees. And then moving on to topic two for the week. I've conducted another of my interviews this week, which will be out in the coming weeks, and they talk actually about the power of no in that interview. One of the other main factors we discussed was Industry 4.0, the idea that we're currently in the fourth industrial revolution. I won't take my guest thunder on the background of Industry 4.0, but one of the big things that came out from that chat that I wanted to bring this week is the change in measures that we've made and implemented to get through COVID may change the future of both recruitment and our own clients' needs in terms of recruitment. If you're sourcing candidates for a role now and the majority of the team will be working in is working from home or working remotely, why limit your candidate searches to those staff who could or would commute to the client's office? That then opens up the options of looking nationally. And I'm sure many of your clients are starting to embrace that as an idea. I know many in recruitment have started to fully embrace this. And indeed, many clients who have set this up as a key part of their future plans. Obviously, this relates to those companies who are office-based or have staff who can deliver their work from home. But these have pretty much been self-selected now over the past 12 to 18 months. And I'm sure that you're well aware if your client falls into those categories. But what if you take that a step further? If you're opening the role up nationally, why not look internationally? Perhaps you can find a cheaper software developer in India, for example, or a design engineer in the US, or a QS in Europe. The point being that we may need to look at how we can open up those markets to our clients. We need to be willing and able to follow our niche into new markets and to be able to present these options to our client. Sure, some may bulk at the idea of sourcing candidates from these international markets, but bringing them the idea will at least show you're working to present the widest possible options to them. If nothing else, it will show you're a step ahead of the market and thinking about new models to solve their problems. The process might not be quite so easy as our traditional models, as staff won't be on your usual database or job board, but there are a wide range of other methods to use, the most obvious one of which is LinkedIn, but there are others. The secret comes back to knowing your sector and your niche and skills, and also knowing what good looks like in a candidate. As you'll need to be sure that the quality of your candidates are at the level your client needs. The checks and testing process may need to be slightly different, but the value to you and your client, I would suggest, is well worth the effort. Anyway, I'd welcome your views and look keen to hear from any recruiters who are already working with international candidates for their clients and some of the benefits and downsides they've perhaps encountered over the last few months. I hope you've taken something away from this week's coffee break. As ever, I look forward to catching up with you on social media. I'm at Million Pound Biller and on Facebook over the next week or so. We have big plans to launch our very own Facebook group in the coming weeks. 
where you can share your views and comments on the Coffee Break and the other podcasts we do, and also speak to some of the leaders of recruitment that I speak to in my interviews directly. Stay tuned for more information on that in next week's podcast. But until then, if you like the podcast, please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And until next week, enjoy the journey. Enjoy the journey.